Friday, July 28th, and we are back with another Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and every week we bring you a list of five things you need to know about. We're switching it up this week, though, doing something a little bit different. And if you like it, let us know. If not, let us know. We love hearing from you. This week, we are counting down to our title story. So we're starting out at number five, working our way down to number one. I'm hoping it will give the episode a little more structure. It will provide a little more structure when I write it. And also so that you know what to expect because it is a little bit different, but not too different. We still plan on talking about quite the variety of headlines. So let's get started and we'll see how it goes. Number five this week. OpenAI released a chat GPT app for Android. So now Android users can get in on the fun of asking chat GPT all sorts of things. In addition to availability here in the US, the Android app was released in India, Bangladesh, and Brazil. OpenAI also announced plans to branch out to other countries in the future. Probably important to note that the Bing AI chatbot has been available on Android for a little while now. It also runs on the same OpenAI tech as ChatGPT, so really up to you if you'd like to download another app to your phone. But coming up in our next Agent Apps episode, Tina will be taking a look at different AI chatbots and how insurance agents can utilize them for business. I've been playing around with ChatGPT for a little while now. Apple's version has been out since May, and it's been fun asking it questions that I know the answer to and then seeing how it does with the answers. Through that process, I was told a few times that my version of ChatGPT, GPT 3.5, the free version, was most recently updated in September of 2021. So not the most current database of knowledge, but it is still learning and evolving. Number four, Instagram Threads released a new feature this week, the following feed. Users can now choose between two different feeds by double tapping the home icon on the bottom of the app, then swiping over to the new following feed or sticking with the For You feed. The following feed features threads from users that you follow. Pretty self-explanatory. The For You feed is a mix of posts from people you follow and also what the threads algorithm thinks that you would like to see. Now, in the early days, because there wasn't much content on the app, that feed got pretty repetitive or overloaded by accounts who posted more frequently. Now with the following feed, users have the ability to just view posts from the people whom they follow. And the idea is that hopefully if you follow one of those super posters, you probably actually want to see all of their threads. Unfortunately, you don't have the option to make the following feed your default feed. So should you close out the app, 
you will have to go back in and manually select the following feed in order to view it. And a quick note about engagement on threads, because yes, engagement has dropped off. That's been in the news. But a lot of tech experts are also saying not to count the app out just yet. And, well, one of the reasons why is what we'll be talking about next. But before we get to that, one that I've noticed is that while a lot of people did sign on and begin threading immediately, many of the people I follow on both of my accounts on threads have yet to post a single thread. They signed up, maybe liked a few threads here or there, but they're still sort of waiting and feeling out the vibes. I would argue that the vibes are good. Just jump in. But Instagram has been the app I've been most active on for a while, other than LinkedIn. But moving on in our list, let's get to number three, and that is another reason not to count out Instagram threads just yet. And it has to do with the app formerly known as Twitter. This past weekend, Twitter announced that they would be rebranding to X. And while the rebrand has been coming in stages over the past few days, it is indeed meant to be a full rebrand. Twitter will now be known as X. No more blue. X is black and white. No more bird. Just an X. No more tweets. Elon Musk announced, we're calling them X's. And for those who might have thought this whole thing was a joke, same. If you were thinking it might be walked back, well, on Tuesday this week, a worker in a cherry basket began removing the Twitter logo from the side of their office building in San Francisco, pretty much confirming that it's for real. That work was momentarily stopped by the police after they discovered that the company hadn't filed a permit for the work, the presence of the crane, or to shut down a lane of traffic. There have been a lot of hot takes on the subject, but it is important to note that the official company name of Twitter is indeed X Corp, which according to Tina sounds like a Pixar villain and I can't say that I disagree. Facebook did something similar to this, though, rebranding their holding company to Meta in October of 2021. For Facebook, the Meta rebrand came at a time when the company was still reeling from the Cambridge Analytica scandal and trying to push forward into the metaverse. Little different in the case of Twitter, they're naming the platform after the holding company, and they're rebranding in the wake of Elon Musk's purchase of the company and inability to make the social platform profitable. Now, don't get me wrong, a good rebrand can be a smart move if it's done at the right time. I think looking back at Meta, we can say that it makes sense because we have the benefit of hindsight. We've had a little time for it to soak in. It's hard to say where Twitter will land. So many polls appeared on the app this week, asking users to vote between Twitter and X. And then a lot of articles mention this as a further unraveling of the site. Part of me thinks the new X logo matches the current vibe of Twitter, or I guess I should say X, more so than a whimsical bird. So far, the X logo has been added to the navigation bar on the platform, 
the fave icon changed on the desktop version, and the Android app features the new logo. On Apple, we've still got the bird, and on both my desktop version and the app, the buttons to publish content still say tweet, so little bit of a ways to go. Musk has stated that the rebranding is a way of moving forward with his idea of an everything app, akin to the app WeChat that's popular in China. WeChat is a robust messaging platform that also allows users to upload and share photos, videos, and their location. There's video conferencing, games, and WeChat is also a payment platform. Which, if you're familiar with Elon Musk, you know his roots go back to PayPal. I am curious how many of those features Musk plans to replicate in X and in this so-called everything app, and when we'll start to see them debut. But for now, we are filing this one under wait and see. Number two, Spotify announced their plan to raise prices this week, something that a lot of streaming platforms have been doing lately. The audio streamer currently offers four premium plans: student, individual, duo, and family. The student plan allows users to get Spotify Premium for 50% off for up to four years. The current price is $4.99 per month. That will go up to $5.99 per month. The individual plan is Spotify Premium for one person. I currently have this plan, and I pay $9.99 a month for my subscription. That will go up to $10.99 per month with the increase. Premium Duo covers two people living together, and that covers an individual account and additional account at a discounted price. Currently, the price on that is twelve ninety nine per month. It will go up two dollars for a cost of fourteen ninety nine per month. And then the Premium Family Plan: six people living together each get their own account for one discount price. Spotify Kids is included along with an explicit filter, which, if you've tried to listen to current hits with your kids, well, you know how well that goes. Less of a price increase here, going up just one dollar from fifteen ninety nine per month to sixteen ninety nine per month. Still, no word on the super premium tier pricing or further details from the last time I spoke about it. But that tier is apparently still coming, bringing high fidelity sound or hi-fi to Spotify in September of this year. Spotify users will have a one-month grace period before the new pricing goes into effect. You should see a pop-up with the new pricing when you open the app. I got my notice this week, so if you haven't yet, you should see it soon. And that brings us to number one. On Tuesday this week, the Department of Labor, the Department of Treasury, and the Department of Health and Human Services announced a joint proposed rule meant to strengthen the Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act. The 2008 law required insurers to offer beneficiaries in their plans. The same level of coverage for mental health care and substance abuse treatment as other illnesses. 
The Biden administration cites parity issues with the insurance companies, such as not enough doctors in network, prior authorization, and denied claims. Out-of-network care is typically more expensive, and mental health care and substance abuse treatment tends to be pricey. So let's start with evaluations. The proposed rule states that insurers must evaluate their current policies and how those policies impact access to care. Basically, health plans must evaluate the outcomes of their coverage rules to make sure they're in compliance, and if they're not, they will be required to make changes. In the official release, the White House said this about evaluations, quote, This includes evaluating the health plan's actual provider network, how much it pays out-of-network providers, and how often prior authorization is required, and the rate at which prior authorization requests are denied, end quote. If companies are found to be out of compliance, they'll have to make changes. That could look like narrow networks adding more doctors. And then as far as payment rates for out-of-network services, rates for mental health and substance use disorder services must be calculated similarly to those for other medical services. There was also a stipulation to close the loophole of state and local government health plans not being included in the original legislation. That alone changes regulations for 200 plans and 90,000 consumers. Also mentioned in the press release, these are steps the administration is taking to, quote, tackle the mental health care crisis, end quote. So far from what I've read, insurance companies are on board with the proposal. And on those same lines, I've also read that another part of the issue is the shortage of doctors who offer mental health care and treat substance use disorders. That made me remember some of the research I did for a previous episode, and it was about mental health parity and Medicare. Specifically, we're looking at our 500th episode titled Understanding Medicare Coverage for Mental Health and Substance Use Disorder. And a couple of the stats we featured there, all from the Kaiser Family Foundation, I wanted to mention here because they do apply. 1% of non-pediatric-level doctors do not accept Medicare assignment. 42% of that 1% are psychiatrists. And then this one, overall, 7.5% of psychiatrists do not accept Medicare assignment. When you look at intake of new patients, there's quite a difference in numbers. And again, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, 81% of physicians in general or family practices were found to accept new Medicare patients, while 60% of psychiatrists were found to accept new Medicare patients. Comments will be open to the public for 60 days on this proposed rule before it is finalized. At the time of this recording, the rule has not yet been published in the Federal Register, but we do have links to the press releases made by various government agencies, 
as well as a few articles in the notes. We'll be keeping an eye on this one and bringing you updates as they come, and I am sure we will be hearing more about this proposed rule. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard today, follow along with us for more episodes like this one. Have a great weekend, stay healthy, and stay safe out there. We will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing, an integrity company. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel, script editing by Tina Lamaru, podcast design by Urban Rivera, artwork by Vivian Zhao. Follow along with us wherever you like to listen.